Moving to the other side of the world is tough. We know this from our own experience making the move to Australia during a global pandemic. To help you decide whether a life down under is for you, this series aims to share with you the highs and the lows of the migration journey to both help and inspire you to make the move yourself. Are you thinking of moving to Australia? Our guests today are from our podcast sponsor, True Blue Migration Services. They're here today to share with you a greater insight into the whole visa application process. So today we have Fiona, Joy and Marianne from True Blue Migration Services. Hi guys. How's it going? Hi, Ross. Hi, Ross. Hi, Ross. Hi, Ross. Good. Good, thanks. I'll just kind of get straight into the questions here. Can you tell us a little bit more about True Blue Migration Services? Yeah, True Blue, we've been um, around for 16 years. So um, I originally was living in the UK and came back just before the birth of my first daughter. And Joy and I, well, Joy's actually my sister. And so we started True Blue 16 years ago, originally in WA, and then we moved over to the East Coast and opened up a branch in Melbourne. Yeah, so um, sort of grown a lot over that period of time. Fiona sort of came on board doing our uh, marketing, helping us about nine years ago, is it, P? Yeah, over nine years now. Nine, yeah. ten years ago. So I mean, we, in a nutshell, are sort of helping people with their visas. So we work with you know, skilled migrants from overseas, um, employers who want to sponsor someone perhaps who is here or is overseas, um, parents, partners, in a lot of different visa classes. So essentially people who don't perhaps know what a migration agency does. It's kind of the conduit between the applicant and uh, the immigration department. So it's our role to advocate for you, help you with everything you need. We know how to prepare the application and make sure everything is as it should be when we send it off. True Blue has um, we've got seven agents in the team now and as well as a really good um, support staff, including we've got an in-house um, legal professional who helps us with the more complicated submissions and requests. Our role really as an agent is to kind of um, be a guide to, to migrants as they're trying to navigate really complicated, as you know, Ross, and a bumpy journey where you really don't know what immigration may ask of you. The policies can change overnight, points can change, etc. So we're on your side trying to get, get your visa through. And-, and as you know, Ross, it's quite a long journey for a lot of the visa classes. So you become quite close with your clients and you go through the highs and the lows and um, yeah, at the end of it, you feel like you've made a friend and you're telling them this wonderful news and it's rewarding. I would say one of the things that sets us apart um, is that we offer free assessments, so free no obligation assessments. So if you're considering your Australian visa options or maybe you've done a little bit of research and just want to clarify some things um, or you're not sure whether to use an agent and you're wondering what the benefits are, then you can get in touch with us Um do an assessment for free um, and we'll let you know your options. Yeah, no, I remember with my uh, visa journey, uh, just trying to navigate exactly where to start and also kind of what to do next. When you've got a, a young family, a busy life, it's just extra things that you have to do. And one of the biggest things that I would kept thinking to myself is, what happens if I make a mistake? And I know that the Australian government is absolutely ruthless with mistakes in the sense that they don't accept them. So if you make a mistake, that's your problem. That's a you thing. And I just, I just couldn't risk it at all. What made you want to start? a visa, a migration agency in the first place? Yeah, I've been living overseas for quite a few years and um, my husband's actually South African, so I was living in South Africa and I just started working for this sort of travel agency and then they started a visa side of it. So 
I was originally doing visas for um, people going to America, like the J1 visa, people to work on kibbutzes in Israel, um, and people to go to the UK on the working holiday visa. Then we moved to the UK. Um, I lived there for five years and then worked for an agency over there. And they were doing, I was mainly doing immigration for the UK at that stage. And then I retrained and started doing Australian immigration. Um, and then time come to come home with pregnant with the first baby and yeah, just started my own business with, with joy. And then yeah, it just grew from there. It was small at the start and you do a few hours here and there, but it grew legs pretty quickly. And then we had to open an office office um, in Rockingham in WA, start recruiting staff. Then we found the beautiful fee and she jumped on board and then just gone from strength to strength. Yeah, it started off small and now it's one of the biggest agencies in Australia. And what visa challenges can you help with? We get a lot of leads contact us, which is fantastic, but Sometimes we can't actually help people, which is really disappointing in terms of someone might come to us and they might be a, a farmer and they've worked farming for years and managed farms, etc. But unless you've got an ag degree, you can't immigrate to Australia for permanent residency ever. So it's kind of um, really disappointing when someone when you want someone to be able to get PR and there's actually no pathway for them. Same with marketing professionals, senior managers may come in, but because they don't have the correct tertiary education to get the visa, which to me seems like a very dated concept, um, it's just really heart-wrenching when you tell people, no, you can't, or you've come and you're 45 or you're 47 and you've been here on temporary visas back-to-back for so many years and the age creeps up and they can't get in. So that's what I find. I find that challenging and, and sad. But at the moment, there has been a sort of change in the landscape for visas. Like, um, Ross, when you were saying you came out, we had general skill migration back in 2006 was just oh, amazing. You put a visa in, yeah, expression of interest, you get an invite the next day. It was incredible, incredible. Then it went took a lull for quite a few years, up until probably the last sort of 12 months. So in 2019, if people came to me and said, I want to immigrate on general skill, okay, you're a secondary school teacher and you've got this, 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 great. You may get in, you may not. Um, but lodge it and just see, wait and see. But now people are getting picked out on 65 points um, and invited by the state sponsorship. So another sort of challenge we have is people may come to us and say, um, oh, I'm such and such occupation, I'm on the list, I want to apply. And so it might be there's different skilled visas. The 189 list is a medium list, which means any part of Australia can accept you, whereas a 190 requires a state to sponsor you. So, for example, a recruitment agent um, consultant will contact me and say, oh, great, I'm on the 190 list, I'm living in New South Wales, Sydney, and I'm earning $150,000 a year, great. And it'll be like, well, yes, you have a degree, you can pass this skill assessment with BetSS, you've got a great age, your English is fantastic. Uh, sorry, New South Wales aren't taking recruitment consultants, so there's actually no PR pathway for you, sorry. So things like that, mm-hmm. just the, I guess, navigating through all the hurdles you've got to get through to, one, be on the list, be the right age, have the right qualifications for the skill assessment, pass the skill assessment, be on the list, be able to get the visa. There's so many hoops. So I actually take my hat off to people who can navigate it themselves. But we have, as I was saying, it has been a huge shift as in it's so encouraging that now when people contact us and they have the right credentials and they're saying, look, just maybe it might come on, maybe not. I don't want to take your money. I just let's see. Now we're saying go for it because we're seeing 
gymnastics coaches, sports development officers, um, hairdressers, marketing professionals, all these occupations that weren't getting invited for the last 10 years, now getting permanent residency. So it is a positive time to be in in Australia and in immigration because it's just um, we, the, the new governments realise that we do have a labour shortage in Australia. Um, we have, from COVID, we're going to be, I think, a million people short by 2030. So we need our population to grow. So we need to make Australia a better, more attractive destination for migrants to stay. So they've got to introduce more PR pathways for people who come out here and get sponsored as opposed to yeah, just taking the cream of the crop if you're on this list, you can get it. So they need to open up the list more to give to reward people who have actually been here and done the hard yards through difficult times. And if you've studied here, worked here, why shouldn't there be a pathway for you? So that's probably the most challenging thing is, is – um, Having clients for many years, oh no, still no PR pathway, but it slowly is changing, um, which is really encouraging. I think that's a really important point that Marianne just made there. The fact that the system is fluid, um, it expands and contracts in response to labour shortages and things do change. So maybe if, if someone listening today looked into their options like five or 10 years ago and ruled Australia out or even a couple of years ago, like Marianne said, come back, um, have a free assessment and see if you've got any options now. Uh, because things may well have changed um, and things also change when governments change. So it's definitely something to keep in mind that just because of something you read um, or you maybe investigated it yourself like a couple of years back doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case today. Thinking back about my own kind of experience with wanting to move to Australia, I've wanted to move to Australia since I was about 10 years old. And when I finally started to do something about it, I, I guess I was in my late 20s and I couldn't help but think to myself, if I was five, eight years younger, this whole process would have been so much easier for me. And I guess the types of people that are probably wanting to use visa agents aren't those in their late teens, early twenties, when realistically, what's the probably the easiest way for you to come to Australia and live? It's probably a working holiday visa. And, you know, with all due respect, they're, pro they're, they're really easy to fill out online. Um, and as long as you, you have no complications, you could probably do it yourself. But the older you get, the, the more experience you have in different fields and you want to know realistically, what is my best pathway to stay here permanently and to, to live here rather than just have an experience? Does it sound like those are the types of people who, who should be using a visa agent? Well, what you, um, when you mentioned there, Ross, with working holiday visas, um, lots of people do apply for those themselves. Um, but what happens is they move to Australia, they fall in love with the place, they do their first working holiday, then maybe their second, and eek, they don't want to go home. So Now they're that, starting to run out of options, aren't they? Yeah, and that's when they come to us. There's only so much farm work you can do. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you want to, <laughs> you want to get out of the sticks and into the big smoke. So you come to us. Maybe you've found an employer that wants to sponsor you. You found a partner. Um, and that's when people will come and will do the assessment, work their options out for them. Um, and a lot of our clients are, are in that boat. When it does come to perhaps a skilled migration visa, which is one of the key ones we do, you know, the, the different aspects of that, you know, a skill assessment, you know, Ross, is a first, is a first step. Um, that requires you to meet, you know, perhaps it's a certain English test score, which may well be different from the score you need to hit the points threshold. Um, perhaps the references have different requirements for the skill assessment and perhaps the state, if you're being nominated, wants you to be able to show something else again. So um, engaging an agent like True Blue at the start where we can look at 
what are the steps you're going to have to take, what documents are you going to need, um, can avoid those really expensive um, mistakes. And sometimes they're very small mistakes. We've helped people that have had, um, you know, perhaps have been invited to apply, as is the case now for a skilled visa, and have lodged it, but they've overcalculated their points, say, by five. They just haven't been aware that immigration would shave off a certain number of points. And they lodge it, perhaps a family of three, which would now be like seven to eight grand, just the visa charges, and it comes back refused. And as you know, you can't negotiate with immigration. There is an appeal um, you know, protocol to go through, but there is no refund of your, your visa charges. If you appeal, you have to show, you know, legislatively that the, you, know, you um, should have the decision looked at again. But in many cases, it, you have actually made a an error of law um, and you just need to start again. So pay all those fees again. And by, the, by that stage, if you have, um, if you're older or you, um, you know, you've done less, perhaps moved out of the occupation, you had lost some work experience points, it can actually be your only shot that has been blown by a, um, a small mistake. I guess when I was thinking about the, the costs for visas, and, and I know the Australian government is, is a massive cost just, just to get the visa, let alone a visa agent. I was thinking about what if I got it wrong? How much would I be losing? And then I was thinking about the whole process more like an investment. It's, it's an investment in myself, my family moving to Australia. Um, if you're going to invest that much time and effort, then when you think about it, the cost of actually hiring a visa agent is, is very minimal especially when you go, well, I might live there for the rest of my life. That could be 30, 40 years. Well, how much is that going to be per year? Even if you think about it from a financial perspective, because you know I love to count pennies, how much money could you potentially earn more in Australia? And then, okay, so how much is the visa agent going to cost you per year? Sometimes you have to spend a little bit of money t- to make a bit more money. I- and I know as a teacher, I'm earning more money as a teacher now than I ever was in England. What visas are most popular at the moment? I would say the flavour of the month is definitely um, your general skill migration, so your skill selects, so your 189s, um, your 190s and your 401s. Last year I would have said um, definitely employer-sponsored because previously we would have um, leads contact saying, have you, can you find us an employer? And we'd be like, no, look, you've got to find your own employer. We just do the visa. Now we have employers contact saying, have you guys got anyone on the who's contacted you who wants to work in, in hospitality or work in farming or work in construction? So the tides have certainly changed with that. So there's mm-hmm. still a labour shortage. So um, industries here are still wanting to sponsor employers. Partners are always hanging around. Um, People fall in love, don't they? Yeah, that doesn't stop. So we did have a sort of a freeze on working holiday makers for a couple of years. So that's probably slowed that down <laughs> slightly. <laughs> if you're coming over from a, if you're from a country that's blessed with the working holiday visa option, then a hundred percent try before you buy, come over, check it out. Some countries now that's up to 35 years old being able to come out. Um, the UK will go to 35 years old soon as well. So it's definitely a great opportunity to come out and see if you like it. Fantastic. I didn't actually know. I, I always wondered why the UK had such a lower age threshold in comparison to other countries. Are, are there any other kind of changes or updates that you might be aware of in the future? Look, it's, it's a good question, Ross. Sometimes we get, um, you know, uh, a pre-warning about something that may happen. And obviously being on top of that helps us with clients that are already with us because we can let them know. Um, 
We also have, um, you know, a big Facebook community and Instagram community that Fiona um, gets our messages out so we can let people know that something might be changing um, in a state list or in an occupation or an English test requirement. And as um, Marianne mentioned with um, the working holiday age, the, um, the free trade agreement between um, Australia and the UK has been um, ratified, just needs to be um, go through the next stage of being um, legislated. And at that point, you know, UK passport holders can be up to 35 for that first visa. So we get a lot of inquiries about that. So, um, you know, there'll certainly be an opportunity for um, older individuals or couples to, to um, you know, to get to Australia where before, you know, the 31 was a hard cutoff and then the, the, the French and the Irish and the Canadians lifted the, um, the age. So I hope that's not long before you know, that comes into play because I think that will be a game changer for quite a few, um, or quite a few yeah, UK nationals. I read an article the other day that they someone is um, lobbying to get the working holiday visa age up to 50. Really? Yeah, which would make sense because you're still skilled. You can come out and work, contribute to the Australian workforce and then who knows what opportunities arise. So that would be gold. Right. When you work with an agent, um, like our agents and MARA registered, they do professional development every year. They're members of the Migration Institute of Australia, which is our peak body. Um, and they're just across policy updates, policy changes. Um, things literally change on a daily, weekly basis. And I think that's something to remember as well. If you're conducting your own research, you're potentially looking at resources online that might have been written like several months ago so from that perspective it's really worth checking in with an agent because they literally have the most up-to-date information um and that's yeah that's super important to have obviously as we said things change dramatically i'm really lazy and keeping up to date with teaching legislation is hard enough and the last thing i want to do is come home and try and get become an expert in a field which I don't really have much of a background in so that I can move to the other side of the world and, and change my life for the better. Why would you just not pay someone to do that for you? You rent things, don't you, when you need them. So why would you not rent someone else's knowledge and expertise to help you live a better life? Kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's like, it's like using an accountant to your tax return or using a real estate agent to sell your house. You know, It might be possible to do it yourself, but are you going to get the same results? Probably not. How many people sell their own house? It's not like you go on Facebook and you see on Marketplace, oh, yeah, does anyone want to buy my house? You want to be thinking about, um, you know, how you've got to get your you know, get removalists, you've got to get your pets there, you've got to, you know, there are other elements that you could focus on that you don't need the same level of, I guess, legal or um, industry knowledge in, almost like an insurance policy, I suppose, that we, we know what you're going to need. So let us worry about that while you worry about all the other stuff that, comes with relocating as a single or a couple or a family to the other side of the world. Yeah, moving to Australia is a very complicated process. The visa is just one part of it. Well, it was for you, Ross, because you moved during the pandemic. Is it extra layer? Just make it more difficult. I'm not that fast. <laughs> you said before about one of the happiest parts of your job was being able to tell people, you know, you finally got your visa. When you've done it, what kind of situation were you able to help with that you were most proud of? It was a family of um, a British family, actually. He was older. He would have been oh, older, oh, younger than me. He would have been 45, say. And he'd come and he'd been here on a four, five, seven. And there was a grandfathering rule that they released that you could work for a new employer for two years, but you had to have held a four, five, seven 
27 in 2017. Um, and he had with another employer. So, but he had to be able to do two years on this particular 482 visa before he reached, he must have been 42 and a half when he came to me, reached. So he literally, because he was section 48, he was barred from applying in Australia. Him and his family had to go to Bali and get the visa granted and then come back, um, and then wait for two years. And we had like two, two days to, um, lodge the visa before he turned 45. But COVID hit. So he flies to Bali. Um, lo and behold, the visas were granted within a week. I don't know how he came back. And if he had been there a week later, the borders would have been shut. He'd never been able to get the two years done. And his kids had finished year 12 and wanted to go to uni and do nursing. And yeah, it was just a really, it was so grateful and lovely, lovely bloke. It was just weird because the time was just perfect. Like, if he had contacted me a week later when he was initially doing the leads, he would have missed out in the two years because he would have been too old. Um, if he hadn't got the visa granted in time, he would have missed out because the cutoff was a particular date in March in um, 2022. So all these different things. But he was so positive and the stars aligned and he was so grateful. So there was just so much because he was over 40. By the time the visa was processed, he was over 45. There was no other option. So it was, this was it. I mean, there's so many different journeys, but that's one that I could probably write a CPD on it because it was really he just defied all odds to get the permanent residency for his family exactly and what's amazing is when people do get in touch and they've sort of ruled themselves out maybe and they don't think they have any options when our agents are able to say oh wait actually you are eligible for this visa or even permanent residency so you actually yeah you never know there are literally dozens and dozens of of visa subclasses and that's what our agents can do can recommend the best option for you and you said you're on social media so if someone wanted to message you on facebook or instagram they could do that and they could start the process that way yeah absolutely we're on facebook you can find us on instagram uh just shoot us a message and we'll we'll tell you what the next step is and we'll get started what can people expect from their free initial assessment that's a good question It, it um really depends on how much information um, the person has provided us with. Um, it's our goal to um, be able to provide an accurate summary of the visa that the person can apply for. Uh, sometimes it will be a visa that we don't manage and we will let um, the person know that and where possible refer them to someone who can help them. Um, so it's a taking in their information, if it is points related, working out whether they ask, do you meet the requirements of a skill assessment of a state um, based on where they're living, the cost based on you know the size of their family, whether they'll need the English test. So they will get a um, a detailed summary from us would be the uh, the free assessment and certainly going back and forth and um, you know people ask us for more information about various aspects. Otherwise, if someone um, get makes a call, um, they may end up lining up a time for one of our agents to give them a call back and go through their options um, on the phone. Um, the idea of, I guess, a free assessment is for us to give people a candid, you know, honest understanding of what it might cost if they are eligible, um, what some key factors are, and then they're in a position to, from that point, either decide they want to know more about us and get a contract. And again, that's no obligation for the contract. It just sets everything out that we've said and our, our you know, our terms as an agent. Um, and then it's then if they want to proceed, that's when you know a formal engagement and a fee would um, would take take place. That's sort of it in a nutshell. But uh, and also with the free assessment too, Ross, is that we also are bound by a code of conduct, and if there is no pathway for someone, we have to be upfront and honest. Um, 
so sometimes people it's really disappointing that we can't actually offer a pathway or it's not the the news they want to hear so it's mm. um so that's we we are completely upfront with people um in the assessment so that's um just something that mm. yeah it's part of the job i guess not everyone yeah. qualifies which is sad some people do qualify um, who shouldn't, then they do, and then there's people who deserve to qualify and they don't. So mm-hmm. it's just uh, it's just the nature of the industry mm-hmm. and the legislation we're bound mm-hmm. by. Yeah, absolutely. No one wants to hear bad news, really. And would you want to hear some free bad news that perhaps this isn't the right pathway for you, or would you want to spend even more money doing it yourself and then find out probably what, what an expert was already telling you for free? That's the thing that you have to weigh up between yourself isn't it thanks joy marianne and fiona for sharing your insight into the migration process i hope it's given you a greater insight into what is required if you do want to migrate over here and what you might need to do to get your visa if you want to see more of what life is like in australia then make sure to step over to our youtube channel at that johnston life and if you've been inspired to make the move yourself then make sure to speak to true blue migration services at www.truebluemigrationservices.com and fill out their free visa eligibility assessment to find out whether you can move to this beautiful country. See you next time.